The tanker truck is going to blow. There's nothing we can do about it. I want everyone in the hot zone out. Fire, police, everyone. Do we have all the houses evacuated? Just about, sir. Just about? Well, there are a couple of houses where the people look really comfortable. I hated to bother them. What? Well, one house was getting ready to have dinner. You know how rude it is to be interrupted during dinner. The Bible says that there will come a time when people who do not believe in Jesus will stand before God and face an eternity in hell. Look, that tanker is going to explode. Do your job, get in there, and tell those people they're in danger. Oh, can't we send someone else? I feel really awkward telling people, get out now before your house explodes. I mean, who's going to believe that? Because Jesus died for us, we can escape an eternal punishment in hell by having faith in Him. If you're not telling others about this good news, what excuses are you using? We can only assess our motives, our motives, not others. To keep ourselves from error and to guide others to the path of salvation, we must look at our motives. We must ask God to help us see our motives. We must dig in to see what's going on with our motives, not others. We're commanded to critique a person's doctrine, methods, lifestyle, but never the secrets of his soul. You understand? couple verses to verify it. Look at 1 Corinthians 4. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. This is Paul speaking. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who, notice the underlining, will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from the God. Notice what he's saying. He's not talking about judging outward. He's saying don't judge a person's motives. You cannot do that. You don't know what they are. But then further in Acts 20, it talks about judging actions and words. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which He purchased with His blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves are going to sneak in. Now, how do you tell a pig from a pig and a dog from a dog and a wolf from a wolf? There's characteristics you can distinguish. Notice he's saying it again. And he's not talking about real wolves. He's talking about preachers sneaking in, false Christians coming into the church who are going to act like wolves and hurt people. Notice he goes on to say, also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things, teaching lies, false doctrine, to draw away the disciples after themselves forming movements and denominations and groups like themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Notice, he warned them over and over again, watch out for the actions, watch out for the teachings. They're going to come and try to steal and ruin you. He was not afraid to judge them and warn them and name them. Paul even named names in some other parts of Scripture, saying, so-and-so and so-and-so has thrown out the doctrines of truth. Beware of these people. He even named them by name. So don't, don't call that judging in a sense of negative. He warned them by the Word of God. Be merciful about the gray area. Biblical issues are what we are to talk about and make solid discernment. Not gray areas. Not issues that are personal preference. Personal preference is whether you want your hair to be 1.2 inches over your ear or not. Or whether you want it 1.2 inches over your ear. That's a personal preference. There's no scriptural statement that says, Thou shalt not wear your hair 1.2 inches longer on your ear than uh, above your ear. There's no scriptural command. That becomes a preference point. If you think men should wear white shirts and women should wear black dresses, that's a preference. The Bible doesn't say that. 
See, you're starting to create preferences. You cannot make your judgments on preferences. Romans 14 is our example. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. The vegetarians versus the meat eaters. What should we do? God says you cannot eat meat. Where does it say that at? Nowhere. You've got vegetarians saying, yeah, but it's better for you. Okay, fine. Eat vegetables. But the moment you eat vegetables and order somebody else and condemn and judge them for eating meat, then you're in trouble. Now, why was that an issue? Here's the issue. You've got to know the context. You've got to know the culture. Here's what happened. The people in Rome and other places lived in a culture that was full of false gods. They controlled the economy. They controlled the food supplies. All the pagans would take meats and take them up and put them at the altar of their false gods. Hundreds and thousands of pounds of meat sacrificed to the gods. Well, the priests ate everything they could eat, but they were so fat they couldn't eat anymore. So they had hundreds and thousands of pounds of meat. Duh! What should we do with it? Let's sell it in the market and make cash. Since we don't want to eat meat all the time, we can buy other things and have fun. So they took all the extra meat and went to the market, the grocery stores, and sold the meat that they had taken out of the pagan, demonic worship centers across the cities. Christians come to town and say, I need, I'm hungry. Here's some meat. Yeah, but did was it cursed by the devil? I don't want this cursed food. I'm just going to eat vegetables. The other guy says, the demons are... False gods. God told me to bow my head and say thank you for my food, protect my body, and God will protect me by keeping me from the power of the devil. So I'm going to eat meat. See the battle? It's a gray area. It doesn't say thou shalt not eat meat or thou shalt not just eat vegetables. But the cultural battle was how do you live according to God's will when all these demon worshippers are around selling their food to everybody? It was a gray area. They didn't know what to do. So they fought. They started new denominations. The vegetarian church, this side of town, and the meat-eating church on this side of town. They didn't know what to do. Paul says, you idiot, stop doing that. Stop. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Notice what he's saying. In this area, guys, you're going to have to make a preference. If you feel, if you feel that this is what God wants you to do, then just eat vegetables. But don't condemn another because I have no way to show Scripture. It's not there. I understand the concept, but there's no biblical command. It's not lawlessness or, or law. There's no law given here. We know it's concerning not to give a false impression to a culture that we practicing demonic religions or paganism. But if you see that meat is just meat, but then Paul goes on later and says, you know what? But if you're eating meat, even though you know it's no problem, it's causing your, your weaker brothers, which is the point, the weaker brothers are the ones that don't want to eat the meat. If that bothers them so, so much that they can't stand that they quit going to your church and they give up, then stop eating the meat. You're free. Just eat vegetables. You'll be fine. For their sake. Practice a thing called what? Love. Call love. You love them enough that you're willing to, hey, it doesn't bother me anyway. I'm not stuck on meat. I'm not addicted to meat. I can live without it if it's better. 
We have no right to judge others in matters of conscience where the Bible gives latitude of choice. Now, that's the only area. Remember, that's where you go back to the middle. Discernment says, when God says, thou shall not do this, we don't have any latitude on that. You don't do what he says. But when there's not a clearly defined statement, then you have to give some latitude. Okay? Last few points. We must ask the following questions. What biblical truth is being denied when I take this step or act in this way? or follow this method, or follow this thinking, or take these actions, or think in this way? What truth or half-truth is being substituted? Is there a lie taking over so that I'm not really following the law of God, but I'm following something else? What truth is being ignored? See, a lot of the false preachers aren't saying anything wrong. That's the point. They just conveniently don't tell you the other verse that tells you the other answer, or really puts it in perspective. Or what truth is out of balance? That is always an important point. See how that can put you in a whole different road if you don't listen to all the concepts around the ideas. Jude 1, 22 and 23. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. This is where we use our discernment. But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. This is basically saying some people that are religious are living in immoral lives. <clears throat> they are defiled by the sensual activities we talked about at the beginning of the world. They do that which is evil. You must do everything you can <clears throat> to pull them out of the fire. That means to warn them. Tell them they're wrong. Make them hate your guts. You tell them how evil it is, and if you don't change, God's going to punish them. And it won't be a good road. It's just like the thing about fire going on in the city. And the chief said, okay, guys, you know, how come these people are still in the building? Oh, chief. I, I couldn't tell them that, uh, I mean, how rude is it? They're eating. One guy was eating. <clears throat> you go, how, I, I'm going to go tell the guy, hey, get out of here. Your house is burning down. How rude is that? I, you should at least wait till after he eats. I mean, come on. I mean, we think of stupid ideas of why we shouldn't warn them. When they're really in danger, don't we have to open our mouths? Don't we have to really say it? Just because you love your family or your friends or your neighbors, if they're committing sin, God is judging them and will bring them to eternal damnation. You must rise up and warn them. That's what he's saying here. You must give them clear teaching. God will judge you more strictly if you don't. Notice it's temporal, not eternal judgments. You know, it said judge not, or it should be judged. What did it talk to us about in Scripture when we talked about communion here? Remember? He said if you take communion unworthily, what happened to the people in Corinth because they didn't follow God's teaching. Some were sick and some died. That's being struck by God's judgment inside a church of people, Christians. He judges eternally. We only are to look at things temporally. Therefore, we must judge ourselves very strictly first. Remember, the Pharisees judge people for external matters, but God hates that kind of hypocrisy. We have the power to judge, but not the power to condemn. We have the right to warn, but we don't have the right to damn someone. That's God's judgment. Final thought. The ability to make judgment lies at the heart of Christian living. We might accept a stone for bread otherwise. Remember, Jesus warned that. If you can't discern right, you might have a religious guy come and say, Here, this is really good for you. Eat this bread. And it's a stone. Jesus is saying, don't you get it? 
Or you say, hey, hey, how about a good fish to eat? No, how about this nice long fish? It's got only a little bit of poison in it. It won't bother you. Eat this. See, by Christ using the example, he's trying to get you to see, if you don't learn discernment, if you can't tell the difference, you're going to accept stone for food, snakes for fish to eat. You won't get it. You're going to be hurt and harmed. His very teaching was to discern and judge righteously. Doctrine, lifestyle, entertainment, you've got to look at those things and be able to decipher them. Unless we can distinguish between outer appearance compared to inner character, we're going to miss God's purpose for our very lives. And discernment determines our very destiny. Believe me, this is not a small matter. It'll cost people everlasting life by not being discerning. Good morning. Welcome to the Church of. May I help you? Yes. What exactly is the name of your church? Whatever you want it to be. You're just the Church of blank? Yes. Names with words like the cross or God offend people. You'll find our beliefs are very tolerant. In fact, we've removed everything from the Bible that might be offensive. See? This pamphlet is your Bible? Did you keep anything? Oh, yes. Love one another, God is love, the seven suggestions. You mean the Ten Commandments? Oh, commandments are so intolerant. People were offended. Don't you think God is offended when you change his word? God is tolerant. He'll understand. I don't think so. He wasn't very tolerant of Sodom and Gomorrah or of the world when he sent the flood. Oh, we've eliminated those events from our Bible. Listen, God wants what's best for us. Ignoring his moral standards doesn't change his expectations of us, regardless of how offensive you find them. Oh, sorry if I've offended you. Don't worry about me. It's God you need to be concerned about. It will cost you to ignore the truth. Jesus, who says he is the way, the truth, and the life calls us to follow him. He says in Matthew 7:13 to 14 from the New Century Version, Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the road is wide that leads to hell, and many people enter through that gate. But the gate is small and the road is narrow that leads to true life. Only a few people find that road. You must make judgments to either follow the truth, or ignore it. Don't be foolish, listen to the teachings of Jesus. God's ways are our only hope. If you have questions you can ask Randy by contacting him on Twitter at Randy M. Bell or online at narrowroadunderground.klptv.com.